You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. Hey, great to see everybody here this morning, and also great to see new faces, uh, some visitors from out of town, and um, and uh, f- people from uh, here uh, in the Bay Area. Welcome. We we are Victory Church of the Bay Area. And uh, we are here for two reasons. As Angela said, we are here to honor God and to make disciples. And, and uh, for those of you who are here for the first time, my name is Neil Bernardino, and I'm pastor of this church. And my <clears throat> you would encounter the, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in a new and living way, that you would um, be captivated by his love and that you would be transformed from the inside out. Okay? So <clears throat> right now we are ending our series on I am, and uh, we've been looking at uh, the seven I am statements of Jesus Christ, and uh, let me just flash that for you, um, and these are the seven I am statements, basically <clears throat> Jesus revealing uh, who he is uh, to the people that he's, he's been speaking to, and um, the phrase I am is, is not just uh, one that denotes um, um, being, but it's actually derived from, from, uh, the, from the revelation of God to Moses of who he was in the Old Testament when Moses was being sent out by God to the Israelites uh, in Egypt who were in bondage. Moses said, um, if the Israelites ask me, uh, what shall I say to them? Who, who sent me? And the Lord God said to Moses, tell them, I am sent you. Or I am that I am. In other words, I will be what I will. I will be what you need me to be. And so the phrase "I am" has been used, has been recognized by by the Jewish people since that time on, as as uh, as the name of God. And um, and uh, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, because the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, um, <clears throat> the Greek translation of the Old Testament uh, used uh, the phrase. Ego eimi for the phrase I am. And that phrase, that Greek phrase, is also used by Jesus in all these seven statements. Ego eimi, I am. And he said that I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And lastly, he said, I am the, the true vine in which is uh, what we will be talking about this morning. And with that, I'd like to ask you all to please stand and open your Bibles to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. Okay, John 15, verses 1 through 17. I will be reading from the English Standard Version. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, 
Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Verse 12. <clears throat> this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. This is God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we pray that uh, our hearts would be open to receive from your spirit. Um, open our hearts um, by the power of your spirit so that we can hear what your spirit is saying. And so that we may... Uh, receive your word and allow your word to transform our hearts so that we can live according to it. And may your name be glorified. We lift up this sermon to you. And I pray, Father, indeed, that we would be connected to you, that we may learn to abide in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may all take your seats. <clears throat> So, <clears throat> now, <clears throat> there are <clears throat> um, some, when you, when you look at this passage that we read, there are pretty common, um, pretty common interpretations um, that are, that have been presented over, over the centuries. <clears throat> and... Um, and, and um, those are actually focused more on, on the branches. As we've read, um, we've read about the vine and the branches, right? And, and these interpretations, common, uh, common interpretations, are focused on those branches. And let me read where they base it from. Uh, they base it on, on verse 2 and in verse 6. Okay, verse 2 and verse 6 says there, in verse 2, every branch... Okay, I can't read that. It's too small. <laughs> Sorry. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And then in verse 6, 
Okay, it says there, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. So <clears throat> we see here images. When you talk about branches that are gathered and thrown to the fire and burned, that is an imagery of judgment when you look at most of what Scripture says. From the Old Testament, um, even to the New Testament, um, it speaks of that. But in this case, in this context, we actually... If we look at the context, that's, that's not what, we're, what is being said here. Although a lot of interpretations uh, embrace this, a lot of people embrace this interpretation as referring to judgment. Okay? And so, the branches in verse 2, which are the unfruitful branches, and uh, the branches in verse 6, which are the branches that are burned, that are um, not abiding in the vine, some, some, uh, some interpretations see that as Christians who uh, have lost their salvation. They were Christians, but they have lost their salvation. That was, that's the interpretation. So a lot of people look at this and say, oh, I can lose my salvation. So if I get saved, then if I don't abide in the vine, in Jesus, then I will lose my salvation. So this is one of those uh, verse passages that uh, the proponents of this uh, interpretation uh, often go back to. Okay, the second interpretation. Now, before before we go there, uh, let me explain why they they have this. Because you look at verse two. In verse two, uh, there's a phrase here that says he takes away. That's actually just uh, what that the phrase he, ta he takes away. That is the the English translation of. Of the Hebrew of a Hebrew, of a Greek word, uh, which which is ere, which means to remove or to do away. Okay, to remove or to do away. And so that word ere, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. <clears throat> so because of that word, they use the the, um, the definition of that word in the Greek to mean what what they present, which is, this is judgment, okay? So, whoever um, is not bearing fruit, they will, be taking, they will be taken away, okay? They will be judged. That's, that's their interpretation. And then verse 6, uh, the branches that are thrown into the fire and burned, this is a picture of judgment in many places in Scripture. The second uh, interpretation, a common interpretation, is, again, both on both referring to these two, um, reflects, represent professing Christians. Okay, professing Christians. There you go. Oops. Okay, professing Christians who were never saved in the first place. Those who say they are believers, but they have never really uh, received salvation. They thought that they became Christians simply because they've joined the church. How many of you know that uh, if you join the church, that doesn't automatically make you a believer? Does that make sense? You know, if you go to McDonald's, that doesn't automatically make you into a hamburger. Okay, so going to church does not make you any more saved than, it is, than you are. Okay, or you can't use church affiliation as the basis for your salvation. 
<clears throat> so these are professing Christians who they were taken away because they were never saved in the first place. Okay, and, and uh, lastly, the third interpretation, uh, which is commonly um, received, is this. They represent unfruitful Christians, again from, from these two verses, they represent unfruitful Christians who are cared for and, dis and disciplined by God. In other words, they are genuine believers, but they are unfruitful. Now, don't raise your hand. How many of you could think of people like that? They put their faith in Jesus. You know they're, you know they're saved. You know they're saved. But they're not fruitful. They're just con content with just, just being in the church or being, being saved. But they don't function. Uh, you know, they don't, they're not fulfilling why they were saved uh, and what they were saved for. Um, and they're... Because they're unfruitful, they are disciplined by God. And if they remain unfruitful, even under discipline, sometimes, this is what, what the interpretation is, sometimes they allow, God allows for them to experience physical death because it's not the end, right? Physical death is not the end. If you're a believer, physical death is not the end. This is, we do not believe in annihilationism. Okay, so after we die physically, we will in encounter God. It is appointed for man to die once and after that face judgment. So we will face God and give an account for, what, uh, for our lives, how we lived our lives. So these are the three most common ones. <clears throat> what do you think? <clears throat> Where do you think you fall here? Kind of hard to decide, right? Can I say that these are not your only options. Okay? So, it, although it may appear so, the whole context of the passage that we read uh, does not seem to suggest uh, these verses to refer to salvation, per se. Although, if you really stretch it, you can apply that, the principle there, but it doesn't seem to be um, the context of, of the passage. In other words, it doesn't seem to be uh, the intent of Jesus to be talking to his disciples about who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. Why do I say that? Okay, it's not about, <clears throat> it doesn't refer to the believer's salvation status, so to speak. Okay, now, are these the right, are, are these, uh, do these um, um, interpretations have the right focus? In the metaphor, again, the passage we read, Jesus used a metaphor, okay, uh, to communicate the spiritual truth to them. He was, he said he is the vine and the disciples were the branches. And uh, was Jesus intending to teach that unfruitful Christians are not true believers? Was that actually what he was really saying here? Or was he really saying that those who are not true believers will face divine discipline or judgment? There may, there may be truth to that. There is truth to that. But this is not the text. Okay? Unbelievers will indeed face divine judgment. Okay? Uh, but this is not the text that you are supposed to go back, go back to for that. 
All right? Because um, in here, what was, if, if that's the case, what was he focusing on? I'm saying this because of the context of the entire story. Now, the, the, the passage that we read is part of a greater uh, discourse that took place between the Last Supper and the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was arrested. So this was part of his basically final words before he would be arrested and eventually die on a cross. So he's giving his disciples some final words before his death. Okay, which, you know, the Last Supper started, okay, it, it, uh, it started in John 13, where Jesus, they came together and Jesus washed their feet. And then Jesus told them that one of you will be betraying me. Uh, that, how many of you know who that person is? Or was? It's Judas Iscariot. <clears throat> and then he gave them a new commandment to love one another. And then he foretells, or he tells Peter that Peter will be denying him three times. And then he told them, I am the way, the truth, and the I'm going somewhere, which is what we talked about last week. I'm going somewhere where you can't go right now, but you'll go there um, uh, soon. And he is the way to get there. He's the way to the Father. And so, and then Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, I am with you. I've been with you. Remember, he, during this time, he was telling his disciples, guys, I am about to leave. I'm about to fulfill why I came, what I came here for. I'm about to be handed over uh, you know, to the religious leaders. I'm going to suffer in their hands, and then I will, be, I'll, I'll, I will die in their hands. But on the third day, I will rise again from the dead. But some of them couldn't really get it. And him talking about dying, that's kind of depressing. How many of you know, <laughs> have you been with people who, who, who talked about their coming death? I mean, some of you go, go <laughs> you know, when you hear someone talk about their, their coming death, you, you tell them, stop talking about that. Don't talk about it. Let's talk about something else. Right? We don't want to talk about those things. And so the, the disciples were worried. Where are you going? You're dying? What's going to happen to us? So he was assuring them, even though I'm leaving, I will send the Holy Spirit, another counselor. I've been your counselor. Now I'm, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who will be your counselor forever, will be with you forever. And then he said, I am the true vine because he was preparing them for what was going to happen. What was ahead? It's going to be some challenging times for them. The disciples will be facing a time that will be challenging their faith but they have to go through that because that's part of the message and and jesus will leave them and he's going to leave them the mission that and and the, the ministry and the mission that he's been tasked and he's turning it over to them now you continue it but i'm going to empower you with the holy spirit okay so some of these believers some of these disciples were anxious and they were worried that's why jesus said to them do not do not, be, do not be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And so when, he said, so when he said, I am the true vine, what he's actually saying there is this. I am the source of your life. If you look at a vine, vine is the main tree trunk. And then the branches that are sprouting out of that, those are, not, that's, those are the branches. 
the life source of the, the life source of the entire vine, including the branches, is in that main tree, which is called the vine. The branch, which is connected to the vine, does not have life on its own. But as long as it's connected to the vine, it has the life of the vine. Are you getting this? So as long as you're connected to the vine, you have the life source. That's why branch off of, of the vine or a tree and let it be, leave it there, it will not bear fruit on its own. The fruit that branches bear come from the life source that is in the vine, not in themselves. And Jesus was telling them, I am your life source. I am the source of your life. Basically, he's calling them, no matter what happens from this moment on, and no matter what kind of challenges you will be facing, you need to make sure that you know deep in your hearts that you are connected to me because even though I'm not with you, I will give you life. I am with you. I am the source of your life. I'm the source of your strength. I'm the source of your joy. I'm the source of your strength. I'm the source of, of your courage that will come forth, that, that is needed when it's time for you to declare my message. And I'm going to empower you. Now, some people, you know, some of you, like we say, um, you're, someone's leaving, and don't worry, even though I'm leaving, I'm with you in spirit. I mean, you know, when you say that, they're encouraging you that I'm with you, but you'd rather want, okay, I know, being in spirit is good, but I'd rather have you here with me. You know what I'm saying? So some of them are feeling that way, fe feeling antsy or feeling anxious. And so, That was the intent of Jesus. Now, now, rather than, again, what is the focus of Jesus here in this metaphor that he mentioned? Was he really focusing on the branches? Now, there is tremendous insight if we look at the, um, you know, we, here we, we grow grapes. We have vineyards here in uh, Northern California, and uh, we, we make wine, okay? Um, it's called viticulture, okay? Um, um, basically, the cult culture, um, let me, cultivation of grapevines. There you go. Um, but the methods that we use to cultivate our grapevines today are different from the first century ways that they used to. Now, while there, I, I believe there is a tremendous benefit and, and insight into studying viticulture of the day, to interpret those words, those phrases, I think what Jesus is saying is he was not really saying these things. These are not the message. These are just part of what he is saying. The emphasis is on the main point that he was saying to them. As we read this, what did you notice? As we read verses 1 through 17, what did you notice? What did you notice? What did you hear? What do you think is the main message of this thing? Of the passage. Anybody? How many? Uh, what? Abide. There you go. Why do you say abide? <laughs> because it's said so many times. That is the main point. Abide. It's not about what's going to happen here. That was not the focus. Again, in metaphors, <clears throat> in... Uh, Sometimes when you interpret things, you interpret uh, like old texts. Um, we interpret them um, 
um, what do you call it? Uh, I suddenly forgot the term. Anyway, we think uh, it's going to come to me. Okay, so Han, please help me. You try to put details in everything there. Allegory, there you go. There you go. We try to interpret things, especially old texts, ancient texts, allegorically, putting meaning into things in the words when in fact that was not what is being communicated. One example. How many of you heard of the parable of the Good Samaritan? Okay, so in the parable of the Good Samaritan, some, you know, one of the famous uh, interpretations of that parable is this, that uh, the, Samaritan, the, Samaritan, the Good Samaritan was, uh, you know, um, um, you know, um, the Good Samaritan is, uh, was the neighbor, and then uh, the robbers were the, the demons and the devil, and then the innkeeper, um, and, and then um, the guy who got mugged and was beaten off and left for dead on the road um, are, are people. That's us. And then, and then they put meaning into all the words. And it's nice if you look at it. But if you ask Jesus... When he said that, is that really what his intention was? No. His intention was this. He told the story to make one point. To make one point, to emphasize one point. And what is this? What's the point of the parable of the Good Samaritan? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the whole point. I mean, the whole, the, all the other details, they're there to serve, to deliver the main point. They're basically, they're, you're not supposed to put meaning into all those things. And they said, uh, you know, Jerusalem is heaven, and then Samaria is, is, is earth. The reason why the man got mugged, because from a state of being saved, he backslid going down to Samaria, or going down to, towards the road of Samaria. Nice to, to look at it, to listen, but that's not what Jesus was saying. Are we, are we here this morning? Okay? So here, Jesus was actually pointing out one thing. Again, he used the metaphor. He used metaphors and, and parables to communicate spiritual truth. And sometimes, you know, to, you know w- when you tell a story, you add details that, that, uh, that make the story sound a little better for you to, uh, to understand it, but you get the main point, right? Like, like here, the whole thing. We read the whole thing. But when I asked you what's the main point of this, you said, abide. And that is indeed the main point. So, <clears throat> the central issue of the vine and branches metaphor is not on the salvation status of the branches, hence of the believers. Was that what Jesus was actually saying here? We can force it that into, to mean that way. Or we can listen to what Jesus is saying. We can listen to the text. And we can look at the context. He was encouraging his people and and his audience. When he was talking to them, he was talking to his disciples. These are words directly to his disciples. Okay? You know, every time that happens, this happens several times. You know what that means? The manager told me that if this happens... There's somebody new there, okay? Because so, <laughs> they know they're not supposed to be turning this on. So please don't get distracted, okay? <clears throat> it's like my point. Sometimes we're distracted with the small details, but the main point 
we, we, we lose. Okay, so that's, that's, a, that's an illustration right there. So please zone in, okay? <clears throat> zone in, please. <clears throat> so the point here is abiding and being fruitful, okay? And he is saying these things to abide. I want you guys to abide and bear fruit because as you abide, you will bear fruit because in, in light of his departure, as I am leaving you guys, it doesn't mean that if I leave, everything's done. We're, we're, we're not going to close, we're gonna close shop. No, we're not. I'm going to empower you with my spirit. You, we're going to continue what we started. And basically, he's telling me, I'm going to come back for you. Okay? So, <clears throat> so here. I want us to, as we look at this passage, I want us to look at some key words for us to understand. There's so many words that we look, we read 17, 17 verses. <clears throat> That's brilliant. Somebody, somebody covered it. <laughs> All right. So thank you. Who's that? Sip? Let's give Sip a big hand right now. <clears throat> thank you, Sip. <clears throat> All right, some key words, and you've heard these words. First is a set, the vine and the branches, because this is the metaphor, the vine and the branch metaphor, okay? And uh, Jesus said in verse 2, <clears throat> on verse 1, I am the true vine. And in verse 5, he said again, I am the vine, you are the branches. He was talking to his disciples. The disciples were the branches, okay? He talked about I am the vine, and every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The, my, my father, who is the vine dresser, he takes away. But every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. He still cuts. So either way, you'll get cut. You get what I'm saying? Either way, you'll get cut. But the pruning, what's the purpose of the pruning? It is so that you will bear more fruit. Okay, how many vines are so leafy? That's why, you know, those who really, if you go to vineyards, you know, they, you, you rarely see that, that, that many leafy uh, grapevines. Because, especially when it's harvest season, they trim those leaves so that all the, you know, the, the, all the energy will be focused on producing fruit instead of producing leaves and fruit. So that's a way to maximize the fruit bearing. How many of you like being cut? How many of you like being cut by God? Your life is so leafy, you go, and God says, you know what, I, I think that, that's unnecessary. <laughs> Why, Lord? Why do you take this away from me? It's not necessary, okay? You don't need it. And so this metaphor was a reminder to his disciples that he was the source of their life. It was also a call for continued, for continued um, uh, faithfulness and loyalty to Jesus even after his departure. That they are, it's a call for them to remain. Abide means to remain, okay? So, and here, he promised the Holy Spirit will be with them. And such faithfulness will enable them to bear much fruit. And this is the kind of fruit that will bring glory to the Father. How many of you want your lives to bring glory to God? 
to honor and glorify God. You want that? Okay, so, now on the relationship between the vine and the branches, verses 1, one, and, one through 3, okay, so it says there, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. The word prunes here, and it's not the, what you eat. <laughs> it's, it's not the, the shriveled grape, okay, so that's not what we're talking about here. When he prunes... He cuts, but actually the, word, the, the Greek word for the word prune is actually one that means to cleanse or to clean. Okay? Those who do bear fruit, God cleanses and he cleans so that they will bear more fruit. He cleanses you. And then he goes on in verse 3, already you are clean. He's telling his disciples, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And the word that is spoken of here is not just one specific, uh, one specific um, commandment, but it's the entirety of all of the word of Christ and his teaching. Okay? All of his teaching. What's, why did I highlight this? Number one, the branches are the disciples who are cleansed by the word of Christ. But secondly... As you focus on verse 2, can you read verse 2? Okay. Verse 2 signifies that disciples who are in Jesus, disciples in Jesus, who are in Jesus, can still be fruitful or unfruitful. We see that. We see a lot of people, yes, they put their faith in Christ. And only Jesus, you see, sometimes we say, oh, that person's saved, or that person's not saved. Only Jesus knows. But a person who is really saved will bear fruit. Now, there are those who are really saved, but they don't bear fruit for some reason. Because it probably there are some things that they struggle with, their growth. Um, their growth is slower. Okay? It may look like they're unfruitful. But that, that, that's, that's what is presented there. So, <clears throat> the vine and the branches, and Jesus is a life source. Apart from the vine, the branches can do nothing. They wither. And here's the thing. When, when branches wither and they're cut from the vine, their only use is to be firewood. That's the only use. Dried up branches, of the vine branches that dried up, their only use now is to be thrown into the fire. So another word I want us to look at is this, fruit. Okay, second one, please. Um, number two, fruit. Now what is done to the branches? Let's go back to verse 2. Um, okay, could you okay, could you click there? There you go. Okay. Verse are we in verse 2? Yeah. It says there, every every so every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Okay? And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Fruitless branches are actually taken away. And, um, or, here's the thing, I, I already said the word 
Ere means to be removed, to be taken away. But it's interesting, that same word also means to be lifted up or to be picked up. So now, as you look at that phrase, uh, that, that word, that is why there, there are varying interpretations of this, of this verse. One, sa- one interpretation says, okay, if you don't bear fruit, you know, if you're fruitless, then you'll be cut off. You'll be taken away. You'll be removed from the vine, from the very life source. And if you're removed, you're dead. But according to this other definition of ere, which means to be lifted up. And if you look at that sense, it means to be lifted up, to be encouraged, and to allow you to be put in a place where, you know, that's why they have uh, trellises or wires. And they put those branches, prop them there to help them recover and, this get, and, and bear fruit later in the hope that they would still bear fruit. So you get why there, 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 there are two different uh, interpretations of this verse. It's, it's dip, and it's difficult to look at the, what is being said there because there's no other indicator of what that word meant other than it was, being, it was used. So, but here's the thing. While fruitful ones are pruned or cleaned for greater, greater fruitfulness, and in verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away. I want you to see this. Okay, verse 6 again. Every branch in me that... Verse 6, please. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch. Read this. What does it look like to you? Judgment, right? But here's the thing. Again, going back to what is the point of Christ? Did he really mean eternal judgment here? Did he really mean that those who are, this signifies hell, fire and brimstone, (laughs) eternal judgment? Again, looking at the context, it doesn't speak that. It speaks this. Basically, what this verse is saying, it's just a depiction, okay? A depiction that the fruitlessness and the uselessness of one who does not abide in the Father. So if you don't abide in Christ, you render yourself fruitless and useless. Okay? So the question now, I'm, I'm not saying that are they saved or not. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I'm staying with the main point. Okay? So it's your choice if you want or fruitless if you want to abide in Christ or not because if you don't abide in Jesus you are abiding in something something else you draw your life from something else and it's easy to tell those who draw their lives from Jesus it's easy to tell because Jesus is seen in them but those who say they're Christians but yet they draw their lives from something else, from wealth, from fame, from achievements. And some of us have varying degrees of this. It is shown in the words they speak. Instead of speaking about the majesties and the glories of God and, 
and their hearts are attuned to the will of God and their passion. They talk about they talk about nothing but what? Sports. I mean that's the passion of their heart. Sports or what else? Or politics or whatnot. So it just simply depicts the fruitlessness and uselessness of those who do not abide in the vine. So the fruitlessness and uselessness of the branches actually depend on how they abide, which is the third word that we're going to look at, on how they abide in the vine. Verses 4 and 5, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The abide here means to remain, to stay, to reside. Abide means to reside. Where is your residence? What do you call, what do you call your residence? It is your, your home. Look at this. Abide means to reside. Your home is also called your abode. Does that make sense? You see the connection? So, you abide in Christ, meaning you remain in Him. You dwell in Him. You stay in Him. You stay connected to Him in union and in relationship. And in that relationship, in that connection, His life will flow through you. And His fruit will be born in your life. It also means, the word abide also means to persist, to endure Okay? To continue in a certain state, condition, or activity. To persist, to endure, to abide. No matter what happens, I am abiding in Christ. I am pers- persisting in, in holding on to Him. I am enduring no matter what I, what I go through. That is what Jesus is saying. As you will be sent out on your mission that I'm going to be going to the Father. The Holy Spirit will be with you to empower you. And you will encounter many troubles. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I am with you. Abide in me. Persist in me. Endure. Are you getting this? So, 1 John 2, 6. For us to understand what abide means. Whoever says he abides in him or in Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. We are to walk like him. We are to live how he lived. The good news is that Jesus also abides in us, in believers. Some results of abiding very quickly. Number one, fruitfulness. Okay, fruitfulness, we've already talked about them. In, uh, you know, unless you abide, you cannot bear fruit. Second is answered prayer. Okay, answered prayer, verses 7 and 16. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. See, the basis, one of the basis of uh, answered prayer is abiding in Christ, having a relationship with Him. That's what abiding is, remaining in Him no matter what. I'm faithful to Him, I'm loyal to Him, and I'm obeying Him. Look at this, verse, 17, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, fruit that, will, that should abide. So that whatever you ask 
the Father in my name, he may give it to you. A benefit of abiding in Christ is answered prayer. Thirdly, it's from 1 John 3, 6 through 9, is freedom from persistent sin. Okay? Verse 6 says there, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. The more we abide in Christ, the lesser the grip of sin is, will be in our lives. And then last, and secondly, uh, fourthly, relationship with the Father. 2 John 2.9 says this, Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son in terms of relationship. And lastly, abiding in Christ will enable us to have confidence before God in the last day. 1 John 2, 28. And now little children abide in him so that when he appears, he may have confidence. We may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. So we talk about fruitfulness here, but Jesus talked about a specific fruit here as we land this thing. <clears throat> okay? He talked about a specific fruit. Fruitfulness is in everything. In Galatians Okay, so and, and the, the last word we're going to look at is, fruit, is love. And this is actually what he was zoning in. Of all, of all, the, of all the, the fruit that we are, that he is producing in us, the primary fruit that actually empowers and animates all the other, um, all the other um, fruit in our lives is this thing called love. Okay? In Galatians 5.22, it says there, fruit, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit, the product of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self, and self-control. Okay? Love is primary. It's, it has primacy. For without love, even if we move in spiritual gifts, even if we can move in miracles, if we don't have love, what did, what did Paul say? We are Nothing. Nothing. You can be religious, but if you don't have love, what good is that religiosity? You can attend all the victory groups here, but if you don't love your neighbor, then you're just deceiving yourself. Does that make sense? You come here every Sunday, oh, Lord. you cry, you shed a tear every time, then you go home, and everybody's afraid of you because why? You're rude to them. That is not love. Okay? And so Jesus emphasized of all the fruit of the Spirit, he emphasized love. Consider the following. Verses 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so, I ha so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. Okay? If you keep my, look at this, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, then you will abide in my love. If you obey what I say, then you will abide in my love. But look at this. Verse 15 of chapter 14, <clears throat> it says it differently. It says there, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Wait a minute. Verse, chapter 14, you said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then in chapter 15, Jesus said, 
if you obey my commandments, you will abide in my love. That's confusing. What are you saying? You're saying contradictory things. They're not actually, they're not actually contradictions. They're actually complementary. What, what does that mean? It means this. That love and obedience are so interrelated and inseparable that you cannot have one without the other. Obedience is a mark of love. But the more you obey, the more you will walk in love. And the more you are in love, the more you will obey. You see? You see? They're, they're interrelated. <clears throat> and in verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So the whole purpose of the abiding is to have a relationship with God that will bear fruit in your ministry to others. Come on now. That you love God and that you love one another. That's the whole point of the abiding. And in verse 13, I want you to see this. Okay? Verse 13, greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. This is the quality of the love that they are supposed to walk in. What kind of love do you, will you produce that will bring glory and honor to God? It's the love that sacrifices for others. Sacrificial love. Agape. The love that God has for us. That's why Jesus laid down his life for us. He demonstrated how we are to love. Just as he had loved us. And here, as we conclude, verse 17. This is the whole point of the parable. The reason why Jesus said all these things is this, verse 17. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is the product of your abiding in Christ. This is the product of your relationship with Jesus. Okay, are we here this morning? That's why you know uh, <clears throat> he who does not love does not know God for God is love okay close your eyes right now ask yourself have I been loving let me ask you a question can you think of a person that you have not shown love to Now, if you can think of at least one, that tells you in that area that you have not loved. You're gonna, you, you know, the fruit of Jesus is not seen in your life. Then you, you have to abide. You have to, you know, relinquish your right. You have to surrender to Jesus, and you have to obey His command to forgive or to ask for forgiveness. And be reconciled and show love whether they deserve it or not. Because if you do so, you will begin to reveal who Jesus is. Let's all stand right now as we end. <clears throat> so the main point. So basically, let me summarize this with, with this point here. Disciples of Jesus Christ. Okay? Can we go there, please? Disciples of Jesus Christ. 
who abide in His love, live fruitful lives that glorify God. How many of you want to bring glory and honor to Jesus? Obey His commands. And you're, you know, He's not a tyrant. He's a good Lord. He died for you. He took your, He took our, the penalty of our sins. He paid the price to purchase us, purchase our salvation. He redeemed us by His blood. He took our pain, He took our guilt and our shame. He came to set us free. He came to seek us because we're lost. And He came to set us free from the very thing that has bound us, which is sin. That very thing that we cannot overcome on our own. That's why we need a Savior. Jesus came. He loved us so much that He gave His life so that we can be set free. That's how much He loved us. And as, we, as He is giving His love to us, as we receive that love, we are to love others. To love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus said, I am the true vine. My life flows through you. Not just His life. His love flows through you. And when His love flows through your life, you will bear His fruit. And when you bear His fruit, you will reveal the glory of God to the world. People will see Jesus Christ in you. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the truth of your word. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for you are an awesome God. And your love is amazing. You're, you are an amazing God. Lord, we don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve relationship with you. But you didn't let our sins stop you from demonstrating your love for us. As a matter of fact, you came to destroy the power of sin over our lives. That if we put our faith in you, that if we receive what you have done, you will forgive us of our sins. You will remove our guilt and you will cleanse us of our shame. And here we are, Lord. We say we respond to you. We say, Lord, here we are. Let your love flood our hearts. Help us to understand your love. Help us to realize the fullness of the power of your love that we may be transformed and that you would use us to be a tra your transforming agent to reveal you to the world through the love that we demonstrate one to another. You said this is how the world will know that we are your disciples, that if we love one another, and if we bear fruit, if we love one another and bear fruit, we bring glory to the Father. Lord, it is our desire to be used by you. Lord, we don't want to be useless. We don't want to just receive salvation and then just occupy space and not do anything, not be fruitful. Lord, there's so much more to, to us being saved. For you have a destiny for us. You saved us not just from our sins. You saved us for your purpose. And Lord, I pray that all of us would say yes to your purpose. Use us for your glory. And Lord, we repent of Pursuing our own things, pursuing our own kingdoms, building our own kingdoms. And Lord, we pray that you would cleanse us 
prune us so that we may bear more of your fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And Lord, I also pray for those who need to, first of all, surrender their lives to you. <clears throat> we ask that you would knock on their hearts. We ask that you would speak to them right now. Lord, some of them are feeling you, speaking to them for the first time. Their hearts are pounding. They don't know why. They've never felt this. But they have a sense of the divine. They have a sense of your presence today. That is the Lord speaking to you today, telling you to respond to him. He is real. And I would like for you to respond. Uh, there will be Victor Group leaders there by that middle aisle as we dismiss. I want, don't miss this opportunity. If God's already speaking to you today, don't just walk out of here. There's so much more that God has for you. He wants to save you. Not only that, He wants you to have a relationship with Him. And that is the greatest relationship there will be. If that's you, you need to respond. Please, as we dismiss, approach any one of our Victory Group leaders who will be standing there. And I believe some of them will be having some, some badges here. Well, but if not, they'll, they'll be standing there and looking that way. Please approach them and ask them to pray for you and ask them to guide you for the next steps. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. <clears throat> we thank you for your word. We give you back all the praise and glory. And Lord, may your people, Lord, begin to let their light shine so that the world will know that they are your disciples, that the world will know who you are through them, through their lives. We pray this for your glory and honor in the most precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless everybody. We're dismissed. Have a great week. Again, if you need prayers, peace, approach any of our Victory Group leaders there, okay? Thank you.